the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, now featuring Happy Mondays with two-for-one Happy CBD Cocktails. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. vacation he will be back on friday in california over the weekend heading to vegas i believe today or maybe tomorrow he'll get out to vegas can't wait to hear about his trip out there coming up when he gets back to the show on friday but until then well it's you me and well, luckily right now we got a great guest it's monday that means time to talk baseball the weekend that was and a look forward with our man he is matt snyder cbssports.com and he joins us here today matt what's happening Hey, uh, hopefully before Ken gets back, the Blue Jays will remember how to hit. Yeah. And then, you know, it'll be a little more positive. What's going on there? You know, I I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I I thought this team was going to be the class of the East. I love the offense, what they did in the offseason. What's going on? Well, uh, Bo Bichette, he had a big game over the weekend, but overall has not been very good at all. Matt Chapman hasn't bounced back. I mean, remember, he finished top four in MVP voting a few years for the A's. He was supposed to maybe not replace Marcus Simeon's production, but take on a big big load of it. Uh, they haven't gotten anything from Gurriel. They haven't gotten anything at all from Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, it's just kind of a, up and down the line. And really, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Pretty good year overall, but after seeing what we saw last year, not really living up to that either. So a, a lot of shortfall there on that offense. And look, yeah, 11th in the net, in the American League in runs scored. Who would have thought that coming into the year? Yeah, yeah, absolutely not with that lineup and the young talent that they assembled too. It's one thing for you know veteran team to get a couple of injuries, and you could see that happening. Yeah, with the youngsters, it just it's such a surprise. Yet here we are. So. If it wasn't the Blue Jays, a lot of people still believed in the Rays, maybe the Red Sox. And, of course, we knew the Yankees were talented. How about this, though? Yesterday, yeah, they get swept in the doubleheader against the White Sox. But this squad, sitting at 29-12, and a quarter of the way through the season, I didn't see this coming. Just how the Yankees been able to click at this level? Yeah, it's, I mean, if you would have, like I said, who would have seen that coming? If you would have said, gosh, it was only, what, seven weeks ago or so we started when we talked. If I would have said, oh, yeah, the Yankees will have a five-game lead by the end of May. No way. I mean, we would. there's no way any of us would have believed that. Uh, like I said, like you said, we thought they were good. Uh, it's interesting. I think that the rotation has been a big part of it because you feel like you look at that offense, there's definitely thunder in there. Yeah, they're going to have their high points on offense. And the bullpen and all – say more about that in a second but heading into the year you thought that's one of the best and deepest bullpens in baseball so the question is the rotation behind Garrett Cole what are they going to get out of it well what they've gotten is one of the best rotations in baseball I mean if you slotted Nestor Cortez even as a two that's one of the best number twos in all of baseball uh, as we saw yesterday in the first part of the doubleheader Luis Severino looks pretty much back then you can slide Jamison Tyone and Jordan Montgomery to your four and five, and that's an excellent four and five is when those guys are going well. Uh, so you're, that's why with 
them getting so much run prevention and the offense showing the thunder that we thought it could show how they can be sitting 29 and 12. It's funny now that it's kind of reversed that the the question mark might be the bullpen yeah. because Chad Green now had to have Tommy John surgery and he's one of their guys who could get length. You know, if they got into a mess in the fourth or fifth inning, Green could get some big outs to get out of a jam and then give you another to it. Well, now he's gone. That puts extra stress on Michael King to be that guy and to be the only guy who's capable of doing that. Then you need Holmes and Peralta to hold up as the late inning guys in front of Aroldis Chapman, who we saw again yesterday, is pretty shaky right now. So maybe Litge and Weisiga, who still haven't looked good at all. Maybe they kind of start to look like years past a little bit more. Maybe Clark Schmidt is actually a breakout guy. Maybe Roldis gets it fixed. But it is funny that at the start of the year, you would have thought they're, they're among the offense pitching and bull, or starting pitching in bullpen. The bullpen probably would have been the least amount of a question mark, but it's the most, it's the biggest question mark right now. How close is Chapman to losing that job? And if he would, would it be Holmes that'd be that guy that get the ninth inning? I don't I don't think that close yet. And and it's not because of, you know, performance or anything. It's because I think that Boone likes being able to play around with where he can put Holmes or King, mm-hmm. especially those two. And even to a lesser extent Peralta and, and use them kind of as put out the fire guys. And if you hold one back and Rolls gets in trouble in the ninth, then you have somebody to bail him out. Uh, but man, if it continues like that, and it's only a situation where yesterday it's a one run lead against a, a capable offense like the White Sox, man, at some point you can't just have a guy who you mindlessly throw in there. You got to either go with who was in in the eighth inning or bring somebody else. Just have somebody ready at least if it looks like he might be in trouble, even after one or two hitters. Um, because you, yeah, I, I in the middle. If he had to say, like, uh, he's going to be replaced next blown save, no. Uh, he has enough leash for five more blown saves within the next month? Absolutely not. It's somewhere in the middle there. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com, joining us. The other big uh, takeaway from the, the weekend with the White Sox and the Yankees is obviously it was Josh Donaldson and what he said to Tim Anderson. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the program today. Matt, love to get your perspective and your thoughts on it. From the sounds of it, Donaldson seems like kind of a punk. Yeah. And uh, it's I, I'm sure you spoke about Liam Hendricks' quotes where he said now he's, he has an authority from four different clubhouses <laughs> that that Donaldson is, is the type of guy who basically nobody gets along with. And it's easy to, to tolerate a guy when he's a really good player. And I have personal experience with that, obviously, 20 years ago. But I always think it's funny when people say, oh, they were college teammates, they're friends. Dude, I hated a few guys on my college team. And, again, you don't, especially in baseball, it's not like you have to have basketball-type chemistry with each other to to get along with everybody. No, you don't. If the guy hits two spots away from you in the order, if he plays infield and you play outfield, or in Hendricks' case, If you're a closer and the guy plays third, you don't have to be close with each other. Not at all. You can absolutely hate guys you play with. So, uh, I, I, personal experience also with Hendricks, having spoken to him multiple times, he's always one of the nicest guys in the world to go up and talk to. And he always tells you exactly how he feels. And, uh, I completely take him at his word and I bought into that and had already been hearing whispers about Donaldson for years. 
And I, I do want to say something about the, the SI thing with uh, Tim Anderson saying, I kind of feel like the Jackie Robinson and, and Donaldson kind of trying to say it was an inside joke. Well, what Hendricks said is true. You don't have inside jokes with people you don't like. So that, first of all, strike that. That's ridiculous. Um, I I, th- I think I've seen a few people people firing back on Twitter saying, like Anderson comparing himself to Jackie Robinson's ridiculous, and he should be mocked for that. On the surface level, that might be fair, but if you actually read the article, some of the stuff Anderson was talking about is how he feels isolated as a black American in a game with so few of them. And for example, if you go in the talking about like music in the clubhouse is not for me. Uh, well, if you go in the clubhouse, you have a bunch of white Americans and then you have a bunch of Latino players. You <laughs> hardly ever have any black Americans like Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he even mentioned stuff like when you're on first base, I don't go hunting or fishing. So I have nothing to talk about with all the white first basemen. <laughs> It, it it might sound like small stuff, but when you add up every single aspect of it, and they play 162 games in six months, and they're on the on the road all year long, I think he was just trying to say he feels isolated and he feels alone in terms of race, and not trying to specifically say like I feel like I'm breaking the color line all, all over right. again. Yeah. So Anderson's perspective on that, I'm absolutely ready to to take him at his word and take his side. And knowing all the stuff we've heard from about Donaldson over the years, I will just say that Anderson's home run last night was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. And put the fingers up to the lips and shushing the Yankees yeah. stadium crowd. Uh, that was definitely, definitely worth it last night. So uh, let's go to another newsy type of topic, and that is Trevor Bauer, his grievance against the MLB. What's going on? What's the latest? What should we know as I believe the proceedings start today? Uh, you, you knew, man, he's just, he's just something, isn't he? Yes, he is. Uh, almost, almost to a man, everybody else who got in trouble for doing something under this, the domestic violence policy that the Major League Baseball Players Association agreed to eventually came to an agreement with Major League Baseball and stopped appealing. And a lot of those times, I believe that the sentences were heavily lowered because they worked with major league baseball all along Bauer was defiant and posting stuff on social media. And we've never, ever, ever seen anything like how many times they extended his leave of absence while he was still getting paid. And in my opinion, the reason for that was major league baseball knew that he was going to go after them with absolutely everything they had. And they were getting all their ducks in a row and making sure we have to be able to back up absolutely everything that we're going to say in this suspension. Knowing that, I have no idea how this is going to go, but my hunch is that Major League Baseball has a very, very good case. Otherwise, they would not have dropped this much bigger of a suspension on him than anybody else. Like I said, they knew this was coming. They had to know. It's Trevor Bauer. So they're not going to go all the way out on that limb unless they know this is really bad. And if he's going to try to make this thing public, he's going to try to make a spectacle. We've got the goods from many, many different places, not just one, many. So if I had to bet, I would say it gets upheld. 30 games for Eraldis Chapman. Starlin Castro had the same. Uh, Herman had 81. Sam Dyson. They all, they all, they all basically... 
it would be the, the court equivalent of a plea agreement. All of them. And Bauer wasn't and willing Bauer to do that. Bauer didn't do it. Yeah. Correct. Wow. Well, this is going to be something that uh, lasts for quite a while, it sounds like. This thing could go, not just days, could go weeks uh, as they go through the grievance process with Trevor Bauer. Matt Snyder joining us, CBSSports.com. Matt, uh, what a joke to my team. The Twins are still in first place, even with the White Sox getting the sweep yesterday. Four in a row, beating up the teams that they should. Do it against Kansas City over the weekend. Doing it earlier in the week. This is what you got to do. Pile up those wins against the bad teams in your division, but Minnesota's doing it. But they're doing it minus Royce Lewis, who came up in the absence of Carlos Correo, hit the ball incredibly well, played good defense, and they sent him back to AAA, not just to play shortstop, but to also learn some other positions. This this was a big-picture decision that appeared from the Twins brass. Did you like it? Taking down one of the top prospects in baseball as he's swinging the bat incredibly well. It sucks in the near term because he was up, and it looks like he's good enough to stay, and he's proven he's good enough to stay. You, you know, you can go through speed bumps, though. I mean, maybe he slumps a little bit later, then they can use the excuse. But I, I like how you, you said it. I like how it's a big-picture decision. And I do wonder, if you look at the schedule from when they sent him down, it was uh, after Tuesday's game, right? Mm-hmm. So they're 4-0 since then. They played one more game against the A's, and they played the Royals. Now they've got the Tigers and the Royals and the Tigers again. Yep. Uh, that's a really easy stretch of the schedule. And you almost wonder if they were looking at it and going, hey, as long as we take care of business against these weak teams, we can get him – a couple weeks and moving him around in the minors and seeing how he feels maybe by Friday, June 3rd against the Blue Jays, maybe the following week against the Yankees. They think, Hey, he's ready. We can bring him up and have him kind of be a Swiss army knife, a, a Ben Zobris type. Yeah. If you will. Uh, especially when you look at like Buxton and center and his history of injuries, maybe slot him at third with Urshela not really hitting that great. Uh, you know, it's first base maybe open a little bit. Like, there's different areas where you could see that this team could use him and maybe move him around, and, and maybe it goes in spurts. You know, if somebody's hot at the time and you don't want to take him out of the lineup, like, Garlic should be in the lineup right now. Yeah. But you're, you're not going to bet on him long-term for the rest of the year. I, I like the idea of having somebody – like a Ben Zobers type, like I said, that you can just throw basically anywhere on the field. Or even the way the Cubs used Chris Bryant, who was a superstar doing it. So short-term it sucked, and I hated seeing him that, that happen, but I feel like he has had a good attitude about it, and it's probably going to help him in the long run. And, hey, you, just, you mentioned they're getting the job done right now against the weaker teams, if that's what you've got to do. Just win series has, is always the mantra and they already won the first two games against the, the Royals. And then I said, so on, on that front, I kind of felt like yesterday they were just showing off with that comeback. That was nuts. Down 6 nothing, <laughs> thought it was over, and, and they just yeah. keep finding ways. It's been fun to watch, no doubt. You know, the other thing with Royce Lewis and sending him back down that I, I think needs to be said, remember, he's coming off an ACL injury. You know, this is not a guy that's never played left field before, and you want him running around in a major league game trying to figure out wall patterns and where things are. you got to get guys a little bit used to it, too. And... And also the wear and tear, you know, moving around, doing all of a sudden now you got to take an extra 500 fly balls in the outfield. And, hey, we're going to move you over to third. And you need to take another couple hundred ground balls there. This is a guy coming off an ACL injury. You still, that's also yeah. a part of the equation that I think a lot of Twins fans have missed. Yeah. And it's, like I said, it, it felt like in the moment, oh man, this sucks. He's hitting so well. Don't send him down. 
but I, I do think you said it. It's a big picture decision, and I think it's the right move. And, and they're, he's going to be better for it, and the Twins are going to be better for it. Red Sox coming on. You buy the yeah. sweep over the Mariners. They, they're figuring it out. I, I buy that they'll be contenders. Okay. Yeah, and I, I probably on this show said it. Like I, I, I try not to overreact to the first five six weeks, but they were one team where I was like, man, I don't know, because mm-hmm. their pitching staff just looked so much in shambles. You did think offensively, it was just Devers, Bogarts, and JD, which you know you're going to have your, your stars are going to hit. It was the secondary guys who weren't hitting at all. Probably would have been a smart bet to say Kike, Verdugo, Trevor Story are going to start to hit a little bit. The offense is going to become more well-rounded. I was just pretty worried about the pitching staff, and I didn't know Trevor Story was going to become prime Barry Bonds <laughs> for a week and a half. But, <laughs> hey, you know, they look really good right now. And in light of that, and the Yankees doubleheader, or the White Sox doubleheader sweep over the Yankees yesterday, uh, Tuesday through Thursday this week, Red Sox at White Sox, that's a fun series. How you about know, Michael Walker? We, we like to consider him an Iowa because he was born here. What, what's going on there? You know, he's, a, he's really interesting. I was actually looking at him the other day because he's only 30. Yeah. And I just, I feel like, you just think, oh, man, he's Rich Hill because he was so good when the Cardinals first brought him up. He was their number two in that 2013 World Series. Uh, he was only 21 years old, and he wasn't that far off of being drafted out of uh, Texas A&M, right? Mm-hmm. Texas A&M, yeah. Uh, and it just seemed like, you know, he was 17-game winner in 2015 at age 23, and then he was terrible for a few years, and he went through injuries, and he went through a terrible stint with the Mets. Didn't even pitch well for the Rays last year, and the Rays fixed most people. So it's just, I, I think, uh, at least myself, I don't want to say everybody else, but I just got it stuck in my head. He was really old, and he was never going to be good again. But he's 30. He could actually be good. Uh, well, you'd like to see more strikeouts. You'd like to see fewer walks. But it's entirely possible that he's got the pitch-to-contact thing down, and he's just going to get weak contact all year. Um, I I, I, will, I would give a slight buy right now and say it's possible he's figuring out how to pitch uh, at age 30, and in which case he could buy himself several more years because 30 is not old. Chris Sale coming back, possibly after the rib injury. You have uh, also what Paxton is out there. I thought I think I saw yesterday he's out there throwing up to 90 feet, something like that. So, hey, some reinforcements there. All of a sudden, if you're looking for a long you, shot. You would you would expect them to be aggressive in front of the trade deadline yep. too. If if they're in it, I mean, it's there's six playoff teams now, and I know a lot of teams don't go crazy to get like one of the last wild card spots. But the Red Sox were not that far away from the World Series last year as a wild card. I mean, it was Game Four going into the eighth inning; they were leading and ready to go three one at ALCS. So they went and they they took a swing for Kyle Schwarber last year, and it worked out. So I think that they'll take swings again this year. As long as they're in the race, and I, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to break down the race for the six, six seed, but right. I assume they're not that far off of that. No, not at all. I'm right there with you. Hey, good stuff, Matt Snyder. We will talk to you next Tuesday, obviously. Next week, Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Enjoy the three-dayer, and we'll uh, get back together on Tuesday if that works for you. Yeah, it does. Take care, man. All right, Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Matt Snyder CBS and Follow along as he comes up with his power rankings each and every week. Those are up right now at CBS Sports. Before we take a break, though, it's time once again 
for another $1,000 home run. Go to KXNO.com, your chance to win $1,000. When you get to KXNO.com, enter the keyword work. Work KXNO.com, your chance to win $1,000 in this nationwide contest. We got more Hawkeye talk coming up. We open things up in hour one with the Cyclones. We go to the other side. The Hawkeye is coming up next. Scott Dockerman joins me from The Athletic as we roll through. It's a Monday. Miller and Condon on 106.3. For details. Most everyone knows that the Grumpy Goat Tavern has great lunches and dinners. But did you know that the Grumpy Goat Tavern also has breakfast? Classics like steak and eggs, the hangover burrito, chorizo biscuits and gravy. You can step it up with the shrimp and grits, breakfast fried rice, or hot chicken and waffles. And don't forget the big-ass cinnamon roll. Plus, bottomless Bloody Marys and mimosas. Do brunch at the Grumpy Goat Tavern, Mills Civic in West Des Moines, 50th Street in West Des Moines, and in Ankeny. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports with two ways to win and no rake. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com. Why should you apply for a career with Wolf Construction? It's exciting and it's fresh and it's new every day. It creates new challenges and opportunities each day. I wouldn't want to work anywhere else but Wolf Construction. You can look around and go, wow, look what we've accomplished today as a Wolf team. Wolf offers competitive pay. The benefits are great. They have a matching 401k. Don't wait. Apply today at Wolf Construction. Get on board here. Join us here at Wolf Construction. Sign up and let's go. Wolf Construction is a great place to be. Apply today. Wolf Construction on your side get in on the action with the world's largest sports book right at your fingertips circa sports iowa is where the pros play enjoy the highest limits lowest takeouts and competitive betting menus download fund and bet from anywhere in iowa circa sports iowa sports betting the way it should be download your new bookie today visit circusports.com must be over 21 and present in iowa to bet have a gambling problem call 1-800 back to miller and condon on 1460 kxno and 106.3 fm Dig it deep with a little white snake as we come back. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Minus the Miller, he's on vacation. He'll be back with us on Friday, but it's a Monday. And when you hear the 80s music, you know it's time for Scott Docterman from The Athletic. White Snake, top 10 80s band for you, Scott Docterman? <laughs> no, okay, no, no. Okay. I wouldn't put him that high, but... It takes me right back to Oak Street Middle School in Burlington, Iowa. Every time I hear uh, "Here I Go Again," oh boy! And uh, that video, oh, there there were some good ones with White Snake. I will tell you that much. I, did, I wasn't sure exactly what was going on. I just knew I enjoyed them, and it wasn't because of the singing. Yeah, let's get into your topics. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Making Scott Dockerman uncomfortable here on a Monday. Well, Doc, the biggest story, obviously, of last week. It's something that we anticipated was going to happen. The ACC had been at the forefront asking that you don't need divisions anymore in order to host a conference championship game. Now, the Big 12 kind of had this flyer when they went to 10 teams. 
they were able to still play a conference championship game. They went for one true champion to, well, one true champion kind of, but we still get to play a championship. On and on and on. Here we are, present day. Let's start at the top. The Big Ten. Are divisions in the foreseeable future done? Oh, that's a great question. I would say right now, based off the conversations I had with five pretty plugged-in ADs, let's say, that I think divisions are going to be gone in the near future. This year, they'll keep them. Uh, but for 2023 and beyond, I mean, the, the main focus is for the Big Ten is how to get as many teams into the college football playoff as possible, whatever reconstituted playoff that comes down to. But uh, now, if they do that, there are a lot of questions remaining, and there are a lot of different opinions. One is, you know, how many, and primarily it's how many protected opponents do you have? Some schools could argue for as many as zero. Uh, Penn State certainly did, and, and I'm sure Maryland and Rutgers are kind of in that same category. And then you look at it in Iowa, which, you know, really has three rivalries that really wants to maintain. And, and so is it going to be three? Is it going to be two, one? I can't see one or less because, uh, you know, Michigan's going to play Ohio State and Michigan State every year. But, uh, and I could see it all the way up to, you know, just for the numbers sake, uh, five, uh, which would be you play five teams every year and then you rotate the other, uh, you know, third, you know, eight, I guess, you know, two years on, two years off or one year on, one year off. So, uh, they've got a lot of different scenarios they're playing out and they don't feel too rushed with making this, uh, you know, the completed version yet. You're going to do it. You want to do it right. What about the idea out there that it doesn't have to be the same for every team in your conference that, you know what, you might have one protected rivalry, Indiana-Purdue. There's your one. Iowa might have three. Another school might have zero. Or is that just too much headache to go that route, protecting some rivalries and, and a big number in a case like in Iowa and zero on the other side? I think that's probably the perfect scenario. I wrote that on uh, my Friday column, which was uh, that uh, don't overthink this. For the Big Ten and the Ace and the SEC are the two most two biggest ones grappling with this. Is you know make sure to get all your key rivalries in. That is what's the lifeblood of college football. And for you know Illinois, it might be one at Northwestern. It might be two with Purdue, and that might be it. Uh, you know, make sure for. You know, Maryland and Rutgers might say, you know what, we'll just play each other and then we'll cycle everybody else through. That's great, too. But And then for an Iowa, it's, you know, they played, you know, Minnesota 115 times. It's getting close to 100 with Wisconsin. They're only three hours apart. Those are two historical ones. And then on the other side, Nebraska's a new one, but they put a lot of equity in that. You know, it's on that Black Friday. It's Nebraska's right now, you know, kind of their only major rivalry, I guess you could say, is, that will change over time, I'm sure. But still, I, I think those three you really have a lot invested in and you want to maintain. And and uh, so I, I would be in favor of that. And then the SEC is the exact same way. I mean, because it's a historical conference with rivalries that last, uh, you know, good almost, what, 80-plus years now. So I think in, in some ways you just want to, you know, protect the games that matter and cycle through everybody else. If you're playing nine games, it's not like you're uh, doing this cross divisionally or something, and and you only get you know you just you only get one game you play on the opposite side multiple you know once every eight years. So I think that's the route to go if I was in charge. So nine games, you mentioned that part of it. Do you anticipate as the SEC is now looking at a sixteen conference that they're finally going to play nine conference games? Absolutely, they will. Yeah, they're anticipating that. 
uh, because they know, like the Big Ten knows, is you get maximum revenue when you play each other more, not less. And when you play, uh, you commit to that, and your games are on the main networks, that your your media partners are happier because they get those that quality number of games. I mean, with the Big Ten, you know, we made a lot out of the alliance early on, and there was some discussion about cutting to eight, and then the Big Ten and its media partners went to its media partners, discussed it, and it was like, well, yeah, you could get like three or four games uh, among those three conferences that matter, uh, you know, Clemson versus Ohio State, maybe USC, Michigan, or somewhere in the like, but you know, how much do you gain if you're cutting out Iowa Penn State in favor of Iowa playing Boston College and Penn State playing Wake Forest? I mean, you know, those types of games are the ones that you go, well, you're not even going to get 2 million viewers, whereas they got 7 million viewers when they played each other. So that that's why the Big Ten's going to go 9. The SEC is going to j- jump up to 9. Uh, and, uh, you know, the only one that that would leave at Sub nine would would be the ACC, which uh, now you know is, is looking at that model of protecting three and cycling through the other ten, uh, you know either every other year or, or two years on, two years off. Well, the three five five model is that what they're calling it, Doc? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's always changing, always evolving, and there's so much going on there. Uh, what to go to the TV perspective side, and and Doc, this is intriguing. I know it's something that you like to talk about. After you were in Chicago last week. Didn't think there was going to be any news that came out of the TV contract, but what were your takeaways from Chicago when I think the biggest question for a lot of people, will there be a streaming component to the package that comes out from the Big Ten? That's been roundly discussed. I don't think it'll be streaming only. I think they're just a little bit too worried about their viewership base at this point, that they'd rather have a linear component with every game as as opposed to what you know even MLB does but there's 162 MLB games I don't think they'd even want to disrupt that with you know seriously minor games you know now there may be a stream uh, streaming component and a linear component but but until that point that you know that they really don't want to anger their base by having that so what it's kind of been told to me I think this is where they're leaning um it's not finalized but it's very very close and that is you know, expect two major networks, Fox, of course, being one, and then two cable companies. And I'm not, I imagine FS1 is part of that, but, you know, I can't, I was not told which one mm-hmm. specifically, but, but it, uh, if I was to guess right now, it would be something on the neighborhood of, uh, I would probably NBC to go with Fox and then TNT to, to maybe go with uh, FS1. So that would be my guess right now. And, and maybe they're maybe alongside the NBC component, you might have a a Peacock uh, streaming service. But uh, right now, I think that's where they're headed. Yeah, I was really surprised last week. I was listening to a sports media podcast, and they were talking about Turner. And a lot of people had kind of been sleeping on the Turner Sports becoming a, a part of this Big Ten package. Boy, outside of what they had some Big Twelve games back on TBS. What about the turn of the century? There hasn't been a whole lot of college football on Turner, right? Well, there hasn't been, but, you know, they do have, uh, you know, college basketball. They have their fingers in there, and they have mm-hmm. their fingers in the NBA uh, most extensively. So uh, one game a week on a TNT for the Big Ten, and and it, it might turn into, uh, you know, maybe a different package. I think if I'm the Big 12 or, or the, the Pac-12 that's got my media rights coming up, or even some of the Group of Five conferences, I'd be very intrigued by how that looks because if TNT is uh, expanding and, 
picks up a Big Ten game as a primary game, then it would be happy to probably pick up one or more of the other leagues. Talking with Scott Docterman from The Athletic, talking Hawks, Big Ten, and a whole lot more here with him. Hey, final thing, scheduling into the future. Uh, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with everything we've talked about, what the Big Ten, what all the major conferences are going to do as it pertains to scheduling. You know, we saw it during the COVID year. You can adjust schedules on the fly. You can make it work. Are are we ever going to get to the time where we have a launch like we do for the NFL schedule, where, yes, you're going to play this many home games, and maybe even know you're going to be home this weekend, but going to, I don't know, some kind of controlling conference where even if the conferences don't get together and able to do it, at least you'll release the Big Ten schedule you know, before the season, do something like that. Are we ever going to get to that point, or is college athletics just too weird? Well, what we saw in um, in January was the Big Ten kind of did that. It has to readjust the schedules no matter what moving forward because it adjusted six games in 2000. Uh, and a lot of that was based on uh, the Michigan, Michigan State would always play one another and Ohio State at the same location every year. And those teams kind of wanted to make an adjustment so they could play, you know, have one premium game every year at home. And and so they made that adjustment and made perfect sense in that COVID year. And so every game, every schedule that's already available is, is scheduled out. So that is what we saw in January is an unveil. I think it was the second week. And it really, um, you know, I think there was a lot of interest and it peaked a lot of interest at that point. And I could see that happening because, you know, some of the, what the ADs have told me is, look, we, we don't feel like anymore we need to have our schedules out there for eight years. And it allows the, the league to take advantage of certain aspects, like um, instead of scheduling out a, you know, a couple of games in the future, maybe one looks really appealing that didn't the year before. I mean, take, take for instance, the COVID year, Michigan, Penn State, too, and certainly Michigan State were brutal. They were terrible. But last year, they were all very good. And, and why would you want your 2022 schedule to reflect what happened in 2020 because you scheduled it out too far? So maybe a, a game among those three or something like that might have more of a premium value, and you could get it on a different weekend and then and then allow your media partners to, to go through their draft and make it a higher selection rather than like last year. You want to talk about a brutal weekend for that. It was Michigan and Michigan State playing the same time as Ohio State, Penn State, and Iowa-Wisconsin. So Iowa-Wisconsin obviously suffered. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you want to spread those out. So that's why I think I do believe probably in January – that they'll un- the Big Ten will unveil its annual schedule. Everybody will know who they'll play, but the Big Ten will an- announce the dates um, that day, kind of like what the NFL does. Kickoff time starting to leak out. ESPN had a few of them last week. The Speculation Fox Week 2, Alabama-Texas. That's going to be an 11 a.m. game, and people none too pleased about that. Let's speculate a little bit, educate a guest from Scott Dockerman. Will Iowa have a home night game this year, yes or no? I think so. Uh, could I tell you which one? No, because right now <laughs> people seem to forget that the primetime games don't aren't what they used to be. They're not mm-hmm. the biggest games uh, on the planet. So, what, you know, you might have a, the first one against South Dakota State could be primetime or Nevada. But I will say this, that Iowa State, it, it's probably not going to be scheduled against Alabama, Texas. And if Fox has already grabbed that, my anticipation is, it's probably going to be an ABC slash ESPN product, which means probably midday or potentially at night. So uh, you know, it does have that value. But 
I, I if I was to make a guess on this, and it's only a guess, speculation as we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, mid afternoon probably ABC. Mid afternoon, two thirty uh, start. Hopefully for Iowa State, that'd be a good one. Michigan game is that? I think that's the one the Hawkeye fans have circled. Want to see that one under the lights? I I would guess right now it'd be at eleven a.m. game on Fox. I'm Big Fox. I mean, you're right. Yep. Big noon kickoff. People forget they turn that into their primary game every week. Prime time is not what <laughs> it's not the same thing ever as it ever was. I mean, if it was Alabama Texas would be a night. Yep. First of all, it's going to be a thousand degrees there. Right. Second of all, um, it's it's two major prominent programs. It's at eleven. Fox has turned 11 into its primary window. So Michigan and Iowa, more more than likely, unless Fox has other plans that day, uh, it's going to be an 11 o'clock kickoff in Kinnick Stadium. Doc, always enjoy the conversation. Next Monday, Kennel, well, we'll be off Monday. Next Tuesday, we'll hopefully track you down and get a little bit of news as we make our way into June. Thanks, as always, for your time, Doc. All right, have a good one, Trent. Scott Dockerman with The Athletic joins us each and every Monday here, or Tuesdays if it falls on a holiday as we talk Hawkeyes, Big Ten, and a whole lot more with Scott Docterman. We'll come back, put a cap on things. I got some picks for you. We had a good weekend betting-wise. Circus Sports sponsors my picks of the day. Max Homa top 20. That was good. Matthew Fitzpatrick would have been better if he would have won. But, hey, beggars can't be choosers. We hit it well. Baseball was excellent. We'll come back, give you some picks from Circus Sports. As we roll through, it's a Monday. Miller and Condon, 106 Sports, and your baseball life. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circus Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circus Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circus Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for good bets off. The Grumpy Goat Tavern provides a rustic, comfortable atmosphere with reclaimed barnwood, sleek modern finishes, and a -a one-of-a-kind environment that you have to see to believe. Featuring a fresh menu, friendly neighborhood service, 50-tap beers, and sports. The Grumpy Goat Tavern is the place to be for any occasion. Catch all of the games all summer long at the Grumpy Goat Tavern with two locations in West Des Moines and one on First Street in Ankeny. Grumpy Goat is more than just a restaurant. It's local. It's for you. It's your tavern. Prairie Meadows. Victory Mounds is your ace when it comes to premium baseball and softball products and services. Utilizing our vast game and industry expertise, we sell portable pitching mounds, field equipment, and field products that we trust, use, and have used when coaching or playing. But that's not all. Victory Mounds Field Consulting Services can help you improve the quality and playability of your field. Craig Allison has years of experience in the mound business and is Victory Mounds National Sales Executive, while Mike Donahoe is in charge of field equipment and products. Visit VictoryMounds.com to see what Victory Mounds can do for you. Details. Back to Miller and Condon on KXNO and Trent's Pick of the Day, presented by Circus Sports Iowa. All right, Trent got it back with you one final time. Got a little head cold, battling allergies, but it's been a good day. Talk Hawkeyes, talk Cyclones, talk baseball, talk PGA Championship. Can't beat that. And thanks to Andrew Downs again for kicking things off with me here today. We got Murph and Andy coming up at 1 o'clock. The Fanatics here at 3. 
I'm looking forward to a big week in front of us. Oh boy. Well, time to get into it. And as you've trudged along with me today, as you can tell, I'm not quite 100%. And you can argue that's most times. But here today, we're going to make it up to you. You hung out with me for the last couple of hours. We're going to try to make a little money. We are hot. Over the last week, we're up nearly 40 units. Over the last month, we're up 10.2 units. So let's keep adding money. Let's do it today. We got two in baseball. We got two in hockey. And we have an NBA bet. Let's start right there with the NBA. Boston, the number six and a half or seven. Don't we all anticipate a comeback performance? A big step up here after game three. The physicality, the injuries. Marcus Smart going out, then coming back in. I thought after that that they were going to get the game. I just don't see Boston going down in this series 3-1. I will lay it with the Celtics here tonight. To the hockey, late night tonight, Colorado and the Blues. Blues been better than I anticipated so far this series, but like the Lance tonight to take a commanding lead in the series. Minus one and a half. We'll go on the puck line here. You get plus 160 with that. Colorado, minus one and the hook. Other hockey tonight. Do we get the get-right game? The Panthers really going to get swept here by the Lightning? I don't think so. Give me the Panthers, plus 112. And then some baseball. Cardinals, slight favorite against the Blue Jays and Jose Barrios here this evening. That's a 645 first pitch. I will take the birdies on the bat. St. Louis, minus 112. And also today, this doesn't make a lick of sense. Chad Cool for the Rockies. been okay. Wasn't great last time I was on him. Last time he was out, he wasn't very good, but... Against the Pirates and Brubaker, who has been brutal. And you're getting plus money? I'll jump aboard here. I'm probably missing something. I don't get it. Give me Colorado all day long. In fact, let's do this. Let's go two units on the Rockies, plus 125 here tonight. Rockies and the Cardinals in baseball. Panthers, Avalanche, minus one and a half in the NHL. And the Celtics here tonight. That'll do it. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for letting me battle through. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to get some rest. We're going to get some fluids. We're going to be 100%. Murphy and Andy at 1, the Fanatics at 3. It's 106.3 KXNO.